The following audio drama is rated PG for pretty good. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts and a couple of swears. Parents should be ready to cover their ears. This is Jeffrey Bridges, executive producer of Pendant Productions, presenting the AVA Showcase episode of The Pendant Shakespeare, an ongoing presentation of the works of William Shakespeare. This is episode 57, the first act of Antony and Cleopatra. The Pendant Shakespeare is rated PG. Thanks for listening. Pendant Productions proudly presents Antony and Cleopatra. Act One. Nay, but this dotage of our generals overflows the measure. Those her goodly eyes, that o'er the files and musters of the war have glowed like plated Mars, now bend, now turn the office and devotion of their view upon a tawny front. Her captain's heart, which in the scuffles of great fights hath burst the buckles on her breast, reneges all temper and is become the bellows and the fan to cool a gypsy's lust. Look where they come. Take but good note, and you shall see in her the triple pillar of the world transformed into a strumpet's fool. Behold and see. If it be love indeed, tell me how much. There's beggary in the love that can be reckoned. I'll set a born how far to be beloved. Then must thou needs find out new heaven, new earth. News, my good lord, from Rome. Ah, <sighs> greets me the sum. Nay, hear them, Antony. Fulvia perchance is angry, or who knows if the scarce-bearded Caesar have not sent his powerful mandate to you. Do this or this, take in that kingdom and enfranchise that. Perform, or else we damn thee. How, my love? Perchance. Nay, and most like, you must not stay here longer. Your dismission is come from Caesar. Therefore hear it, Antony. Where's Fulvia's process? Caesar's, I would say. Both. Call in the messenger. As I am Egypt's queen, thou blushest, Antony, and that blood of thine is Caesar's homager, else so thy cheek pays shame when shrill-tongued Fulvia scolds. The messengers. <laughs> Let Rome and Tiber melt, and the wide arch of the ranged empire fall. Here is my space. Kingdoms are clay, our dungy earth alike feeds beast as man. The nobleness of life is to do thus, when such a mutual pair. 
and such a twain can do it, in which I bind, on pain of punishment, the world to which we stand up peerless. Excellent falsehood. Why did she marry Fulvia and not love her? I'll seem the fool I am not. Antony will be herself. But stirred by Cleopatra. Now for the love of love and her soft hours, let's not confound the time with conference harsh. There's not a minute of our lives should stretch without some pleasure now. What sport tonight? Hear the ambassadors. Fie, wrangling queen, whom everything becomes to chide, to laugh, to weep, whose every passion fully strives to make itself in thee fair and admired. No messenger but thine, and all alone tonight, will wander through the streets and note the qualities of people. Come, my queen. Last night you did desire it. Speak not to us. Is Caesar with Antonia prize so slight? Sir, sometimes when she is not Antony, she comes too short of that great property, which still should go with Antony. I am full sorry that she approves the common liar who thus speaks of her at Rome. But I will hope of better deeds tomorrow. Rest you happy. Lord Alexis, sweet Alexis, most anything Alexis, almost most absolute Alexis, where's the soothsayer that you praise so to the queen? Oh, that I knew this husband which you say must charge his horns with garlands. Ah, uh, soothsayer? Your will? Is this the man? Is you, sir, that know things? In nature's infinite book of secrecy, a little I can read. Show him your hand. <laughs> Bring in the banquet quickly. Wine enough Cleopatra's health to drink. Good sir, give me good fortune. I make not, but foresee. Pray then, foresee me one. You shall be yet far fairer than you are. He means in flesh. No, you shall paint when you are old. Wrinkles forbid. Vex not his prescience. Be attentive. Hush! You shall be more beloving than beloved. I had rather heat my liver with drinking. Nay, hear him. Good now, some excellent fortune. Let me be married to three kings in a forenoon and widow them all. Let me have a child at fifty to whom Herod of Jewry may do homage. Find me to marry me with Octavius Caesar and companion me with my mistress. You shall outlive the lady whom you serve. Oh, excellent. I love long life better than figs. You have seen and proved a fairer form of fortune than that which is to approach. Then be like my children shall have no names. Prithee, how many boys and wenches must I have? If every of your wishes had a womb, and fertile every wish a million... Out, fool! I forgive thee for a witch. <laughs> you think none but your sheets are privy to your wishes. Nay, come tell Iris hers. We'll know all our fortunes. Mine, and most of our fortunes tonight, shall be drunk to bed. 
Here's a palm prestigious chastity, if nothing else. <laughs> Even as the o'erflowing Nihilus prestigious famine. Go, you wild bedfellow, you cannot soothsay. Nay, if an oily palm be not fruitful prognostication, I cannot scratch mine ear. Prithee, tell her but a workaday fortune. Your fortunes are alike. But how? But how? Give me particulars. I have said. Am I not an inch of fortune better than she? Well, if you were but an inch of fortune better than I, where would you choose it? Not in my husband's nose. Our worser thoughts heavens mend. Alexis! Come, his fortune, his fortune. Oh, let him marry a woman that cannot go. Sweet Isis, I beseech thee. And let her die, too, and give him a worse. And let worse follow worse, till the worst of all follow him laughing to his grave, fifty-fold a-cuckold. Good Isis, hear me this prayer. Though thou deny me a matter of more weight, good Isis, I beseech thee. Amen. Dear goddess, hear that prayer of the people. For as it is a heartbreaking to see a handsome man loose-wived, so it is a deadly sorrow to behold a foul knave uncockleded. Therefore, dear Isis, keep decorum and fortune him accordingly. Amen. Lo now, if it lay in their hands to make me a cuckold, they would make themselves whores, but they do it. Hush, here comes Antony. Not he, the queen. Saw you, my lord? No, lady. Was she not here? No, madam. She was disposed to mirth, but on the sudden a Roman thought hath struck her. You know Barbus? Madam. Seek her and bring her hither. Where's Alexis? Here, at your service. My lord approaches. We will not look upon her. Go with us. Fulvia, thy wife, first came into the field. Against my brother Lucius? Aye, but soon that war had end, and the time-state made friends of them, joining their force against Caesar, whose better issue in the war from Italy upon the first encounter drave them. Well, what worst? The nature of bad news infects the teller. When it concerns the fool or coward, on. Things that are past are done with me. Tis thus, who tells me true, though in his tale lie death, I hear him as he flattered. Labienus, this is stiff news, hath with his Parthian force extended Asia from Euphrates. His conquering banner shook from Syria to Lydia and to Ionia whilst- Antony, thou would say. Oh, my lord. Speak to me home, mince not the general tongue. Name Cleopatra as she is called in Rome, rail thou in Fulvia's phrase and taunt my faults with such full license as both truth and malice have power to utter. Oh, then we bring forth weeds when our quick minds lie still, and our ills told us is as our earring. Fare thee well a while. At your noble pleasure. From Sician, ho, the news. Speak there. The man from Sician, is there such an one? He stays upon your will. Let him appear. These strong Egyptian fetters I must break, or lose myself in dotage. What are you? Fulvia, thy wife, is dead. Where... where died she? In Sicyon. 
her length of sickness with what else more serious importeth thee to know, this bears. Forbear me. There's a great spirit gone. Thus did I desire it. What our contempt doth often hurl from us, we wish it ours again. The present pleasure by revolution lowering does become the opposite of itself. She's good being gone. The hand could pluck her back that shoved her on. I must from this enchanting queen break off. Ten thousand harms more than the ills I know my idleness doth hatch. How now, Inobarbus? What's your pleasure, sir? I must with haste from hence. Why then, we kill all our women. We see how mortal an unkindness is to them. If they suffer our departure, death's the word. I must be gone. Under a compelling occasion, let women die. It were a pity to cast them away for nothing, though between them and a great cause, they should be esteemed nothing. Cleopatra, catching but the least noise of this, dies instantly. I have seen her die twenty times upon far poorer moment. I do think there's a metal in death which commits such loving act upon her. She hath such a celerity in dying. She is cunning past man's thought. Alack, sir, no. Her passions are made of nothing but the finest part of pure love. We cannot call her winds and waters, sighs and tears. They are greater storms and tempests than almanacs can report. This cannot be cunning in her. If it be, she makes a shower of rain as well as Jove. Would I had never seen her? No, oh, sir. You had then left unseen a wonderful piece of work, which, not to have been blessed with all, would have discredited your travel. <sighs> Fulvia is dead. Sir? Fulvia is dead. Fulvia? Dead. Why, sir? <laughs> Give the gods a thankful sacrifice. When it pleaseth their deities to take the wife of a man from her, it shows to man the tailors of the earth, comforting therein that when old robes are worn out, there are members to make them new. If there were no more women but Fulvia, then had you indeed a cut and the case to be lamented. This grief is crowned with consolation. Your old smock brings forth a new petticoat, and indeed the tears live in an onion that should water this sorrow. The business she hath broached in the state cannot endure my absence. And the business you have broached here cannot be without you, especially that of Cleopatra's, which wholly depends on your abode. No more light answers. Let our officers have noticed what we purpose. I shall break the cause of our expedience to the Queen, and get her leave to part. For not alone the death of Fulvia with more urgent touches do strongly speak to us. But the letters, too, of many our contriving friends in Rome petition us at home. Sectus Pompeius hath given the dare to Caesar, and commands the empire of the sea. Our slippery people, whose love is never linked to the deserver till his deserts are past begin to throw Pompey the Great and all his dignities upon his son, who high in name and power, higher than both in blood and life, stands up for the main soldier, whose quality 
going on. The sides of the world made danger. Much is breeding, which like the courser's hair hath yet but life and not a serpent's poison. Say our pleasure to such whose place is under us, requires our quick remove from hence. I shall do it. Where is she? I did not see her since. See where she is, who's with her, what she does? I did not send you. If you find her sad, say I am dancing. If in mirth, report that I am sudden sick. Quick, and return. Madam, methinks if you did love her dearly, you do not hold the method to enforce the like from her. What should I do? I do not. In each thing, give her way. Cross her nothing. Thou teachest like a fool. The way to lose her. Tempt her not so too far. I wish, forbear, in time we hate that which we often fear. But here comes Antony. I am sick and sullen. How now, my dearest queen? Pray you, stand further from me. What's the matter? I know by that same eye there's some good news. What says the married woman? You may go. Would she have never given you leave to come? Let her not say tis I that keep you here. I have no power upon you. Hers you are. The gods best know. Oh, never was there a queen so mightily betrayed. Yet at the first I saw the treasons planted. Cleopatra! Why should I think you can be mine and true? Though you in swearing shake the thorn gods who have been false to Fulvia. Riotous madness to be entangled with those mouth-made vows which break themselves in swearing. How now, lady? Nay, pray you, seek no color for your going but bid farewell and go. When you sued staying, then was the time for words. No going then. Eternity was in our lips and eyes. Bliss in our brows bent. None our parts so poor, but was a race of heaven. They are so still, or thou, the greatest soldier of the world, art turned the greatest liar. How now, lady? I would I had thy entrance. Thou shouldest know there were a heart in Egypt. Hear me, queen. The strong necessity of time commands our services a while. But my full heart remains in use with you. Our Italy shines over with civil swords. Sectus Pompeius makes his approaches to the ports of Rome. Equality of two domestic powers breeds scrupulous faction. The hated, grown to strength, are newly grown to love. The condemned Pompey, rich in his father's honor, creeps apace into the hearts of such as have not thrived upon the present state, whose numbers threaten. And quietness, grown sick of rest, would purge by any desperate change. My more particular, and that which most with you should save my going, is Fulvia's death. 
Though age from folly could not give me freedom, it does from childishness. Can Fulvia die? She's dead, my queen. Look here, and at thy sovereign leisure read the garbage she awaked. At the last best, see when and where she died. Oh, most false love! Where be the sacred vials thou shouldst fill with sorrowful water? Now I see, I see, in Fulvia's death how mine received shall be. Quarrel no more, but be prepared to know the purposes I bear, which are or cease, as you shall give the advice. By the fire that quickens Nihilus' slime, I go from hence thy soldier, servant, making peace or war as thou effects. Cut my lace, Carme, and come. But let it be. I am quickly ill and well, so Antony loves. My precious queen, forbear, and give true evidence to her love, which stands in honorable trial. So Fulvia told me. I prithee, turn aside and weep for her, then bid adieu to me and say the tears belong to Egypt. Good now, play one scene of excellent dissembling, and let it look life-perfect honor. You'll heat my blood no more. You can do better yet, but this is meetly. Now, by my sword. And target. Still she meant. But this is not the best. Look, prithee, Carmian, how this Herculean Roman does become the carriage of his chafe. I'll leave you, lady. Courteous lord, one word. Sir. You and I must part, but that's not it. Sir, you and I have loved, but there's not it. That you know well. Something it is I would. Oh, my oblivion is very Antony, and I am all forgotten. But that your royalty holds idleness your subject, I should take you for idleness itself. Tis sweating labor to bear such idleness so near the heart as Cleopatra this. But, sir, forgive me, since my becomings kill me when they do not eye well to you. Your honor calls you hence. Therefore be deaf to my unpitied folly, and all the gods go with you. Upon your sword sit laurel victory, and smooth success be strewed before your feet. Let us go. Come. Our separation so abides and flies, that thou, residing here, goest yet with me, and I, hence fleeting, here remain with thee. Away! You may see, Lepidus, and henceforth know it is not Caesar's natural vice to hate our great competitor. From Alexandria this is the news. She fishes, drinks, and wastes the lamps of night in revel. Is not more womanlike than Cleopatra, nor the queen of Ptolemy more womanly than she? Hardly gave audience, or vouchsafe to think she had partners. 
and you shall find there a woman who is the abstract of all faults that all men follow. I must not think there are evils enough to darken all her goodness. Her faults and her seem as the spots of heaven, more fiery by night's blackness, hereditary rather than purchased, what she cannot change than what she chooses. You are too indulgent. Let us grant it is not amiss to tumble on the bed of Ptolemy, to give a kingdom for a mirth, to sit and keep the turn of tippling with a slave, or to reel the streets at noon, and stand the buffet with knaves that smell of sweat. Say this becomes her, as her composure must be rare indeed, whom these things cannot blemish. Yet must Antony no way excuse her soils, when we do bear so great weight in her lightness. If she filled her vacancy with her voluptuousness, full surfeits, and the dryness of her bones, call on her for it. But to confound such time, that drums her from her sport, and speaks as loud as her own state and ours? Uh, Tis to be chid as we rate boys, who, being mature in knowledge, pawn their experience to their present pleasure, and so rebel to judgment. Here is more news. Thy biddings have been done, and every hour, most noble Caesar, Shalt thou have report how tis abroad? Pompey is strong at sea, and it appears he is beloved of those that have only feared Caesar. To the ports the discontents repair, and men's reports give him much wronged. I should have known no less. It hath been taught to us from the primal state, that he which is was wished until he were, and the ebbed man, ne'er loved till ne'er worth love, comes deared by being lacked. This common body, like to a vagabond flag upon the stream, goes to and back, lackeying the varying tide to rot itself with motion. Caesar, I bring thee word. Menecrates and Minas, famous pirates, make the sea serve them, which they ear and wound with keels of every kind. Many hot inroads they make in Italy. Borders maritime lack blood to think on, and flesh youth revolt. No vessel can peep forth, but tis as soon taken as seen, for Pompey's name strikes more than could his war resisted. Antony, leave thy lash of us with sails. When thou once wast beaten from Modena, where thou sluiced Hirtius and Pansa, consuls at thy heel did famine follow, whom thou foughtst against, though daintily brought up, with patience more than savages could suffer. Thou didst drink the stale of horses, and the gilded puddle which beasts would cough at. Thy palate then did deign the roughest berry on the rudest hedge. Yea, like the stag, when snow the pasture sheets, the barks of trees thou browsedst. On the Alps it is reported thou didst eat strange flesh, which some did die to look on. And all this, it wounds thine honor that I speak it now, was born so like a soldier, that thy cheeks so much as lanked not. Tis pity of her. Let her shames quickly drive her to Rome. This time we twain did show ourselves of the field, and to that end assemble we immediate council. Pompey thrives in our idleness. Tomorrow, Caesar, I shall be furnished to inform you rightly both what by sea and land I can be able to front this present time. Till which encounter, it is my business too. Farewell. Farewell, my lord. What you shall know meantime of stirs abroad, I shall beseech you, sir, to let me be partaker. Doubt not, sir. I knew it for my bond.
Come in. Madam? <laughs> Give me to drink Mandragora. Why, madam? That I might sleep out this great gap of time my Antony is away. You think of her too much. Oh, tis treason. Madam, I trust not so. Thou, eunuch Mardian. What's your highness' pleasure? Not now to hear thee sing. I take no pleasure in art to eunuch hers. Tis well for thee that, being in seminar, thy freer thoughts may not fly forth of Egypt. Hast thou affections? Yes, gracious madam. Indeed. Not indeed, madam, for I can do nothing but what indeed is honest to be done. Yet have I fierce affections, and think what Venus did with Mars. Oh, come me, and where thinkest thou she is now? Stands she, or sits she? Or does she walk? Or is she on her horse? Oh, happy horse, to bear the weight of Antony. Do bravely, horse. For wouldst thou whom thou movest? The demi-atlas of this earth, the arm and burgonet of men. She's speaking now, or murmuring, where's my serpent of old Nile? <laughs> For so she calls me. Now I feed myself with most delicious poison. Think on me that I'm with Phoebus's armor's pinches black and wrinkled deep in time. Broad-fronted Caesar, when thou wast here above the ground, I was a morsel for a monarch. And great Pompey would stand and make his eyes grow in my brow. There he would anchor his aspect and die with looking on his life. Sovereign of Egypt, hail. How much unlike art thou mere Antony? Yet, coming from her, that great medicine with her tinct gilded thee. How goes it with my brave mere Antony? Last thing she did, dear queen, she kissed the last of many doubled kisses. This orient pearl, her speech sticks in my heart. Mine ear must pluck it thence. Good friend, quoth she. Say, the firm Roman to great Egypt sends this treasure of an oyster, at whose foot, to mend the petty present, I will piece her opulent throne with kingdoms. All the east, say thou, shall call her mistress. So she nodded, and soberly did mount an arm-gaunt steed, who neighed so high that what I would have spoke was beastly dumbed by her. What, was she sad or merry? Like to the time of the year between the extremes of hot and cold, she was nor sad nor merry. Oh, well-divided disposition. Note her, note her, good Garmian. Tis the woman, but note her. She was not sad, for she would shine on those that make their looks by hers. She was not merry, which seemed to tell them her remembrance lay in Egypt with her joy. But between both, oh, heavenly mingle! Beest thou sad or merry, thy violence of either becomes thee, so does it no man else. Mettest thou my post? I, madam, twenty several messengers. Why do you send so thick? Who's born that day when I forget to send to Antony shall die a beggar. Ink and paper, Carmian. Welcome, my good Alexis. Did I, Carmian, ever love Caesar so? Oh, that brave Caesar. Be choked with such another emphasis. 
Say, oh, that brave Antony. The valiant Caesar. By Isis, I will give thee bloody teeth. If thou was Caesar Paragon, again my man of men. By your most gracious pardon, I sing but after you. My salad days when I was green in judgment, cold in blood to say as I said then. But come, away, get me ink and paper. She shall have every day a several greeting, or I'll unpeople Egypt. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as The Wild Bill Variety Show. Antony and Cleopatra, Act 1. Featuring the voice talents of Rachel Rimke as Cleopatra, Anna Rodriguez as Antony, Paige Tuline as Carmian, Andrew Hackley as Domitius Enobarbus, Will Shipley as Alexis, Vincent Morrison as the Soothsayer, Melissa Bartell as The Messenger, Finn M.K. as Octavius Caesar, Amber Lee as Iris, Aidan Rudd as Lepidus, Phil Mays as Philo, Dave Morgan as Mardian, Dave Morgan as The Clown, Chris Pyle as Demetrius, and Mindy Rast Keenan as The Attendant. Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Landon Bell and Colin Kelly. Directed by Landon Bell. Assistant Director, Sven Halverson. Music by Zero Project of zero-project.gr. Additional music by the United States Army Band Pershing Zone and Landon Bell of soundcloud.com slash landonbell. L-A-N-D-O-N-B-E-A-L-L. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2016, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Noble friends, that which combined us was most great, and let not a leaner action rend us. What's amiss, may it be gently heard. When we debate our trivial difference loud, we do commit murder and healing wounds. Next time on The Pendant Shakespeare. Give me leave, Caesar. Speak, Agrippa. Thou hast a brother by the mother's side, admired Otto. Great Mia Antony is now a widow. Say not so, Agrippa. If Cleopatra heard you, your reproof were well-deserved of rashness. I am not married, Caesar. Let me hear Agrippa further speak. To hold you in perpetual amity, to make you siblings, and to knit your hearts with an unslipping knot, take Antony Otto to her husband, whose handsomeness claims no worse a wife than the best of women, whose virtue and whose general graces speak that which none else can utter. What power is in Agrippa? If I would say, Agrippa, be it so, to make this good. The power of Caesar and his power unto Otto. 
may I never to this good purpose that so fairly shows dream of impediment. Let me have thy hand. Further this act of grace. And from this hour, the heart of siblings govern in our loves and sway our great designs. There is my hand. A brother I bequeath you, whom no brother did ever love so dearly. Let him live to join our kingdoms and our hearts, and never fly off our loves again. Oh, from Italy ram thou thy fruitful tidings in mine ears that long time have been barren. Madam, madam. Antonia dead? If thou say so, villain, thou killest thy mistress. Madam, she's married to Otto. The most infectious pestilence upon thee. Good madam, patience. Emotion rides high when Antony and Cleopatra Act 2 premieres on February 10th, 2016. <laughs> Would we all had such wives that the men might go to wars with the women? Only at PendantAudio.com. <laughs>